the ape movement, the ape revolution. It's there. We're really seeing the apes stepping up. And I think it's absolutely awesome. We are the freaking market of the apes developing before the Wall Street guys who thought they could win this, who thought their ego and pride would be able to slam us back down to planet Earth. We're fighting for a fair market against the hedge funds. The apes, they're insatiable. Across the country, millions of people are connecting online in a digital uprising. It's the populist versus the elitist. It's the 99 versus one. It's the David and Goliath story. They call themselves apes, as in dumb apes or the dumb money. This is the battleground of a multi-million dollar war between Main Street and Wall Street in the fight to save a 100-year-old movie theater company from bankruptcy. I am in the AMC movement. We're fighting against the impossible. I'm an ape because the system is corrupt. What we're holding for is that disruption. We're just dumb all apes. And together, we are strong. When we stick together, they don't know what to do. And it's working, and that's so cool. And they're shook in their damn seats. Emboldened by the run in the stock and deeply distrustful of MSM, or mainstream media, they rely on each other and a handful of charismatic social media influencers with hundreds of thousands of followers on YouTube. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, YouTube? <laughs> Here we are, let's do this thing, Moon Gang. Any great change that comes in the world didn't come quietly, it came with noise, it came with blood. There's so many people who very much want to fight for market fairness and transparency. And sure, the apes may want to change the way Wall Street works, but they also want to make money, big money. I made a million dollars on, uh, on call option profit. This army of investors have put Wall Street on alert. Short sellers have already lost billions and recast the retail investor as a force to be reckoned with. I never heard of a company on the New York Stock Exchange that was owned 80% by retail investors. I instantly knew that we should be talking and communicating with them. Even the SEC has taken notice. We're going to take a look at this and get public comment and then see how we might freshen up our rules. Despite the skeptics. The ones that are going in there and say, I'm sticking it to the man. I'm rebelling against Wall Street. I'm rooting out corruption. Corruption. That's idiocy. It is possible this meme stock movement could change Wall Street forever. They are a force to be reckoned with, not only for AMC, but for all the financial markets. I like the idea of this collective buying, and I think it could really have an impact on the markets in the future. Retail investors have more connectedness, more information, more ability to trade than ever before. So the staying power, this is just the beginning. I've described this whole meme stock phenomenon as riding a tiger by the tail. I'm not the tiger, I'm on the tail and I'm holding on for dear life. Adam Aaron, the CEO of AMC Entertainment and the unlikely hero of the movement. I couldn't have imagined any of this, any of this. Uh, we had no idea that we were almost gonna run out of cash five different times in 2020. A big multinational company, $5 billion plus in revenue. All of a sudden, we had no revenue at all, just overnight, gone. But AMC managed to survive. 
thanks to a digital uprising that actually started back in January when members of Reddit's Wall Street Bet started chatting about the short interest in GameStop hitting 138%, meaning more shares of the stock were being shorted than were available to trade. There's a broad spectrum of knowledge and experience among the participants in the Reddit subforums. You'll see some very, very sophisticated analysis of how the equity markets work, all the way down to people who are literally Googling what is the Dow Jones or how do you buy a stock. Dennis Kelleher is a CEO of Better Markets, a nonprofit that advocates for Wall Street financial reforms. There is an underlying theme, though, and that is to frankly stick it to the short sellers and the hedge funds. Those Reddit users saw an opportunity to inflict serious pain on all those short sellers betting on GameStop going out of business. The plan? Start a retail investor buying spree. Buy, hold, and watch the GameStop price skyrocket. It worked. The price soared from $17 a share to $347 a share, an increase of nearly 2,000% in less than a month. To understand what happens next, it helps to understand short selling. Put simply, when someone shorts a stock, they're betting that the stock price will go down. If a short seller can borrow the stock for 10 bucks, for example, and the price goes down, they can buy it back for a lower price and pocket the difference. But if the price goes up to $300, for example, and the short seller has to buy it back for the higher price, they've lost money. In this case, they've lost $290 a share plus the interest they owe to borrow it. Within a month, the Reddit-born strategy crushed Melvin Capital, the $12.5 billion hedge fund that generated 30% returns on average over the last six years, lost their bet against GameStop, big time. Melvin Capital is now out of the stock. They've taken a, a rather huge loss. Both Citadel uh, and Point72 have infused something on the order of close to $3 billion into uh, Melvin Capital to try to shore up its finances. The virtual world opens up a kind of incredible way that individuals can pursue activism. We can come together in the virtual town square and we can organize this movement to become activists against this evil entity and we can sort of from ground control, these various social medias become sort of the headquarters. Around the same time the GameStop saga was unfolding, short sellers were also circling AMC. The company was in bad shape. In the fourth quarter of 2020, AMC reported a 92% drop in attendance compared to the previous year. With 438 of its 593 locations in the U.S. operating at limited capacities, the company was bleeding $124 million a month. Then Aaron made an unexpected announcement. AMC raised $917 million. All talk of bankruptcy is off the table for now. That news grabbed the apes' attention. The hashtag SaveAMC was born, and memes of the company's logo on the moon were launched into the Twitterverse. I instantly saw this SaveAMC hashtag on Twitter. It was trending, as you know. And in the next 48 hours, the AMC share price started to explode. It was a buying frenzy. AMC stock tripled in value in a single day, rising from five bucks a share to $20 a share on January 27th. This whole meme stock uh, phenomenon uh, is 
totally uncharted waters. I don't think any CEO has lived through what I've lived through in the past six months. We are doing everything we know how at AMC to do this right and do this proper. But some Wall Street analysts weren't buying it, insisting the company was still doomed. AMC is eight times levered. They will never generate meaningful free cash flow. There is no value to equity holders. Ultimately, that's what's going to matter is they can't pay off their debt ever. For context, back in 2019, pre-pandemic, AMC lost $149 million and ended the year with a market cap of $750 million, making it worth less than Denny's. And despite reporting $4.6 billion in losses in 2020, AMC's meme stock status shot its market cap to hit a high of $32 billion in June of 2021, making it more valuable than Delta Airlines at the time. At what point, Adam, did you decide that you should lean into being a meme stock? They should take advantage of this diehard retail shareholder base and, and help your company. Almost instantly. Aaron realized the rally was a lifeline, so he started speaking to the apes directly. In April of 2021, I went back on Twitter. Typical tweets that I send out now get read a half a million to a million times a day. And I get literally over a thousand inbound messages a day on Twitter. And I read it every single day I read it because I want to understand what they're saying and I want to understand what they're thinking. And he went on YouTube for an interview with influencer Trey Collins, also known as Trey's Trades. And we would like to extend a warm welcome to Adam Aaron, the CEO of AMC Entertainment. It was my son who sent me a, a copy of a tweet where Trey's Trades wanted me to come on and do an interview on YouTube. I get so much feedback coming in that retail investors really wanted to see me on Trace Trades on YouTube. And I did it. You may not think of it this way, but we have a boss. And our boss is the collection of our shareholders who own the company. So I actually work for you. And it was watched 350,000 times, I think. So I've done it twice since. The Apes' master plan was starting to work, and before long, Wall Street short sellers were feeling the pain. And we'll pull out AMC numbers specifically. Take a look here. That stock surge has resulted in $1.3 billion in losses for the shorts there. That's according to data from S3. At the same time, Aaron landed a deal with investment firm Mudrick Capital, selling 8.5 million shares for a cash raise of more than $230 million. The CEO of AMC, Adam Aaron, is one of the most interesting characters in this entire drama because unlike other players in this, he's gone all in onto the Wall Street Bets community. By June, 4.1 million individual shareholders held 80% of AMC's stock, and the price surged 125% to a new high of more than $70 a share. How much pain can one person take? Clearly a lot if you're a short seller of the so-called meme stocks. And in an effort to raise more capital, Aaron pleaded with his new shareholders to authorize another 25 million AMC shares. But the apes sent Aaron a clear message on Twitter, don't delude us. Want to hit this news just out, AMC CEO Adam Aaron tweeting, AMC does not want to proceed with such a split, so we are canceling the July vote on more shares. We could have raised um, easily, easily, another billion or $2 billion of cash. 
which would have given us that much bigger of a war chest to go out and grow this company and do interesting things with it. But it was clear that there was a great division of opinion. And it just seemed to me that if our shareholder base was that split, it was just pushing the envelope too far to sell more shares that soon. The army of apes is proving their power. Their devotion to AMC stock can be seen across the country. They bought billboards in Times Square, thrown a pool party in Vegas, hired planes to fly AMC banners, dressed up as apes in casinos, and camped out in front of Citadel in Chicago, all to hype AMC and rally the troops. Some of these efforts are crowdfunded, and the apes also crowdsource research because many of them distrust mainstream media. The apes look at mainstream media and they see some guy in a suit who told their parents not to worry about subprime, uh, who told their parents that uh, homes only go up. They're looking at someone who's a, probably a different generation in a different tax bracket than them, and they don't trust them. That's probably pretty astute. I think people are historically have been a little bit too trusting of Wall Street, of experts. I don't know if we hate mainstream media or hate mainstream news. I think it's more a matter of that their editorial is guided by advertising, right? That their editorial is guided by who they're in, in bed with. So I think that's what the aversion was for a lot of people to come to speak with you is being concerned that somehow this piece is going to be slanted based on advertisers. For this documentary, we wanted to hear more from the apes about why they've invested in AMC and what drives them. When I sent this tweet calling on the ape army to send in a video telling me why they invested in AMC, most of the responses were skeptical of CNBC or anyone from the mainstream media telling their story. But a few did share their thoughts on video. I'm hoping with my attendees, I will be able to pay off my debts. I have a lot of student debt. Even if it's not the big, big numbers they're talking about, I hope that we all make a sizable profit and also make a sizable statement. It will go to the moon. And if it doesn't, it's been a wonderful ride. I got AMC for generational wealth. You know what I'm saying? I want my kids, kids, kids to be financially stable. Why am I an ape? I'm an ape because them. That's why. The apes prefer to get their stock research from Reddit, YouTube, and TikTok, where influencers are emerging with enough sway to move markets from their living rooms. It's, it's a big, big deal, these influencers. I don't necessarily think that their advice is any worse than the guy talking his book on CNBC, but I wouldn't advise you to take that person's advice either. Be skeptical about experts, and it doesn't matter what kind of expert. It doesn't matter if the expert is on TikTok, or on YouTube, or if it's, you know, the hot fund manager. Despite the distrust many apes have of mainstream media, two of the most well-known apes on YouTube agreed to speak with me. Twenty-three-year-old Trey Collins is arriving home from his day job. He lives a few hours west of Oklahoma City with his cat, Titan. He's agreed to let our camera crew into his home and to sit down for an interview with me remotely. So Trey, where are you? You're in Lawton, Oklahoma? Yeah, I'm living out in Lawton, Oklahoma right now. I came out here for military training. That's about as much as I can say. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't talk too much about my job. But he can talk about his YouTube channel. I wake up every morning at uh, about 4.30. 
do my daily scans on the computer, see what's going on in the stock market, any broad finance news, make a video, go uh, to formation, come back, do some more reading, go to work from nine till about five, uh, make a video, and then I uh, hang out with my cat for a while and <laughs> I do it again the next day. On Twitter, he has more than 200,000 followers, and on YouTube, nearly 400,000 subscribers. When do you think this whole notion of apes came about? Essentially, apes came from uh, Reddit, and, and what Reddit would do is they would call each other, you know, I'm not going to say the word, but the R word, you know, idiots, essentially. And people are like, hey, we can't really do that. Let's, let's, let's do something else that makes more sense. And it was apes, you know, because we're always referred to as dumb money, retail investors, the little guy, the 99%. And instead of fighting out against it, we embraced it. And it's just led to this huge sort of cultural movement. I, I don't think they're going anywhere. I've said it before, I'll say it again. There's bulls, there's bears, and now there's apes, which is the, the retail investor, the buy and hodl gang, you know? So people look up to you, people listen to what you have to say, people want to reach out to you to share their stories. Do you consider yourself a leader in this army of the apes at all? Not a chance. I'm on the I'm on the the freaking bench just like everybody else watching the game of uh, happen before our eyes. You know, it could have been anybody. It could have been any uh, any Joe Schmo on the streets that said, "Hey, I like this stock. I'm gonna turn on my freaking 4K webcam and I'm just gonna talk into my computer screen." You know, that's just all. That's all I do. I, uh, I'm a regular guy who uh, who likes the stock and stuck to it. You're a regular dude though that has so far made a lot of money from AMC. Is that right? It's done pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> I can't complain. I made a million dollars on uh, on call option profit. And that came from the move from 10 to 70 bucks. Trey's taught himself about the stock market. He got his degree in nutrition at St. John's University in Minnesota. In college, he worked at Buffalo Wild Wings and even slept in his car between shifts. After college, Trey joined the military and a friend's dad got him into trading. So. I started out my YouTube channel December 16th, 2020, and all that it was originally was me documenting my journey through the stock market, my wins, my losses, all the things I get right, all the things I get wrong, educating myself, educating others, and then GameStop started, right? So GameStop ran from 20 bucks up to, I think it was about $100. I was watching that and I was, uh, I don't wanna touch that. <laughs> That's up a little too much for my liking. So I was looking around for what I'd call a sympathy play. Essentially, when you have a heavily shorted stock that squeezes up, so I looked at a couple companies and I saw AMC. And at the time it was trading at $2. This would have been January 24th. Put out a video on the 25th. And I said, guys, uh, this has great short interest. I think it's a pretty similar setup to GameStop. And I said, look, I think uh, <laughs> I think this is gonna squeeze. And then two days later, ran to 25 bucks. The, the channel kind of took a, a boomerang shot out into to Pluto. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that was a, that was a good call. It, it's, uh, it was honestly a freak accident. The timing of that freak accident led to tens of thousands of new followers and coincided with a big move in AMC's stock. I, I think what attracts people to AMC is the unity behind the trade, right? It brought people together to appreciate that you can come together and set aside your differences for something that you believe in. And in this case, it's fighting against a corrupt market, uh, a market that wasn't built to be fair for every single party involved. Uh, I think that's what AMC stands for, you know, speaking out and, and uh, making noise because any great change that comes in the world over the last decades and hundreds of years didn't come quietly. It came with noise. It came with blood. Making money and exposing market corruption is a common theme in Trey's videos. And the journey is still not over. There's still more room to go with this. And that's what I've got for this freaking video. Moon gang, what is going on? What is going on? Happy to be back. Welcome to another episode of Dumb Money.
across the country in Philadelphia, that's also a driving force for 27-year-old YouTuber Matt Coors. He agreed to meet with me at his home in between live streams. From his studio down in the basement, Matt goes live on YouTube and Rumble twice a day, streaming to his nearly 400,000 subscribers for hours. You've got three screens here. Three screens, yeah, for the markets, just to monitor what's going on with this stream, and then also uh, more of a, a Discord server chat. So I noticed that oftentimes when you stream, you're wearing a duck shirt. What's with all the ducks? So this is the original duck shirt. I mean, I got it, I think, for $2 at a Goodwill store. And um, I was like, oh, I wonder if it's lucky. And my stream told me to wear it the next day, GameStop rip. So similar to the virality of these stocks, this duck thing is just absolutely out of hand. And I think it's comical. At Penn State, Matt studied mechanical engineering and coding. After graduation, he started coding full time. So you had no financial education. Did you take any courses in college about finance or the stock market or anything like that? No, I mean, of course you have the intro like economics classes, uh, but for stock and stock trading, definitely all self-taught. An education that started during the pandemic in March of 2020. I wanted to learn about stock trading through the lens of coding, like algorithmic trading, and there weren't really many videos on it. So as I was learning, I was like, oh, I'll document the process, share what I find. I started talking about GameStop, and the numbers got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then from there, the community behind AMC got bigger and bigger. And that's honestly what's led to this conversation right now. AMC, what is your position now in the stock? So right now, um, I'm definitely more of an active trader, and I have thousands of AMC shares right now. I started off with $30,000 uh, with AMC. That ran all the way up to, uh, I think, 600000 And right now, it's in the realm of one hundred fifty to 200000 So you're 27, and you hold mm -hmm. all of this stock. Mm -hmm. And you're going to, what's your game plan here? As long as I see this community supporting the stock and the charts where I like it, and a high amount of people betting against it, well, I'm still going to bet on the potential of the short squeeze. A short squeeze occurs when a stock that's heavily shorted experiences a dramatic price increase, forcing short sellers to cover their positions. And when they start buying the stock, it sends the price even higher. It could be exciting stuff if we just get that momentum. Before we get to what some of the apes say is the ultimate goal, we need to understand some of the ape lingo. Diamond hands. Diamond hands means no matter what the price is doing on any given day, you got those hands freaking cooked with some rocks, some hard freaking boulder diamonds. You're not letting go of your shares because you believe in the stock. You like the stock. Tendies. Tendies essentially are the money that you're going to make when this is all said and done because tendies taste good and uh, that's, that's, that's money. money. Money's good too. Wrinkly brain versus smooth brain. Wrinkly brain, just really smart. Wrinkly brain ape is a smart ape, a lot of DD, and smooth brain people use that uh, in more of a self-deprecation. Like, I just don't get it, I'm the smooth brain. DD meaning due diligence. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, crayon eaters. Uh, another pivot off of just calling yourself an ape or dumb money, just we're so dumb, all we do is eat crayons. A tribe needs its own language. So why? Because the language allows us to communicate with each other which then of course uh, creates more ability to affiliate, right? So we have our own language. And in fact, maybe people who are not part of our group don't even understand our language. So we can actually talk to each other in a way that is under their radar. They don't even get it. Which brings us to what many apes say is the end game. M-O-A-S-S. -S. Do you actually say the word or do you 
do you just use the acronym? Like, how do you how do you use that? I usually either say short squeeze or mother of all short squeezes, okay, just because I- it's not like MOAS. The idea is if the apes hold the majority of AMC's stock with so-called diamond hands, when short sellers have to cover their positions and buy shares, the Gorilla Gang could theoretically name their price, sending AMC's stock way up, or as apes like to say, To the moon! To the moon. To the moon. But some analysts argue the apes aren't buying and holding at all, pointing to the high volume of daily trading in AMC stock. Sort of the funny part about this is, is there's this sort of army of retail investors that keeps talking about, we're gonna buy, hold, and never sell. Yet there's this greater fool theory, right? Like somebody's selling because 688 million shares traded yesterday. So retail is selling to retail at ever higher prices so some of them are obviously making tremendous amounts of money as they get more and more people to buy at inflated prices. Regardless of the stock's trading volume, there are plenty of YouTube videos pushing the idea that the mother of all short squeezes on AMC could send the stock to 10K or even $100,000 a share. So some of the apes say 10,000, mm -hmm. which is a far cry from where it is trading right now. Some say 100,000. Mathematically, can you get on board any of these targets? I don't want to get on board with any price level because I just appreciate it's so dynamic of a situation. If I were to say a level right now, within one second, it's already different because the situation's already changed. I don't want to be the person who's setting up unmet expectations because I'm not a perfect trader. There are a lot of people who really believe in, in the MOASS, the mother of all short squeezes. Yeah. Are you worried that that might not happen? One thing I try to stress in my community is nothing in the stock market's ever guaranteed. I think the potential risk is worth the potential reward. And for every individual trader, investor, that's a question they have to ask themselves. Part of the reason many apes believe AMC could hit a five or even six figure share price is because they're convinced that short sellers are manipulating the system. A big part of that alleged manipulation is naked shorts which can be boiled down to the idea that many apes believe Wall Street traders are knowingly short-selling shares that don't exist. And they quickly came to the conclusion that Adam Aaron thinks so too, after seeing this interview with Trey Collins, where the CEO's camera falls, revealing he's wearing shorts. On Reddit and Twitter, the ape said the camera drop was staged, and this is actually the CEO's secret message, confirming that naked shorts exist. Why did the camera tilt down? Oh. <laughs> oh, man. I've seen the conspiracy of its confirmation of naked shorts, but I don't need, I don't need it to not be wearing pants to, to know that naked shorts exist, you know? <laughs> People were wondering if there was a hidden message that my shorts were exposed. Uh, I'm never going to tell you whether it was planned or not. Oh, come on. Are you, are you wearing pants now, Adam? Uh, I indeed am wearing a full... A full suit today. Aaron has addressed the naked short issue on Twitter, saying, as to the existence of so-called fake or synthetic shares or the naked short selling of AMC shares, we are unaware of any information validating these theories. There's not some hidden pool of short interest. I hate to break it to you, but this the MOAS, it, it makes no sense. I mean, back in January, you had a bunch of hedge funds who were dangerously, arrogantly short these stocks. But it's delusional to think that that's going to happen now. Just hanging on to this stock forever is not going to cause the value of these stocks to go to 
What, a trillion dollars? In other words, he's saying the mother of all short squeezes will never happen. When you're basically bidding up a stock to stick it to a short seller or to stick it to a billionaire, you can find yourself um, bidding up a stock far, far beyond any, any fundamental analysis. And that is actually a recipe for disaster because you're going to lose money. You could lose money big and you could lose a lot over time. A message that you hear over and over about people like, I sold everything, I'm buying AMC, I mortgaged my house, and I worry about those people. I don't want people to do that. I think that they should be mindful of, and I'm not trying to spread FUD, Definitely invest what you can if this is something that moves you to do so. Just only invest what you can afford to lose. There are a lot of retail investors who have made a fortune off of AMC stock. There are also a lot of investors who keep plowing more money in. When I tweeted that I was talking to you today, what, what do you guys want to know out there on Twitter? One person said, I want you to tell Adam Aaron that 10% of every paycheck goes to AMC till the mother of all short squeezes. Are you worried about, not the fairy tale ending, but, but the opposite? The only thing we all know about the future is that we're gonna have to live to see that day come when the future actually arrives. And only then will we know the end of the story. And it's my job to make sure that this company grows into the valuation that it has in the financial markets. And part of his plan to make sure AMC grows is listening to ideas from his shareholders, many of whom are apes, who lovingly refer to him as the silverback. He's listening to their ideas for increasing revenues and announced several new initiatives based on their input. We've been deluged with suggestions from our company's new owners. So many of the things that have come in our way are really good things for us to do. They want us to take cryptocurrency. So we're gonna take cryptocurrency. One of the ones that I particularly love to make commemorative movie tickets as an NFT. And I, you know, I, that's a really smart idea. You mentioned that you had reached out to Ryan Cohen of GameStop and I'm wondering how far those talks have gone. Our marketing organization's in touch with their marketing organization. There are lots of ideas that have been floated, uh, and uh, we'll see what, what happens. As a CEO, Aaron's known for turning around struggling companies. He ran Norwegian Cruise Lines, the Philadelphia 76ers, and Starwood Hotels before joining AMC. And he's prepared to fight to save this company. You know, I feel like I've been training for this day my entire life. I felt I wasn't just doing a job, that I, I, I really was given a mission by these retail investors. You're in charge of this 101-year-old American institution. Don't let it disappear. Don't let this COVID virus or Wall Street take it down. Don't let it happen. And that's something I've taken to heart. His plan is to make AMC more than a theater chain. We have a massive valuation of our company right now, and we need to grow into that valuation. And I think a way to do that is to expand the appetite of AMC and re reach beyond just being a pure movie theater play and do other things as well in the future as we did movie theaters in the past. We have a lot of ideas on that score. And I think as the next six, 18, 30 months play out, you'll see AMC branching out and doing more interesting things. And that will be the definition of success. 
and the apes have given Aaron a billion dollar lifeline to do just that. Did the retail investor save AMC? We had saved AMC first by raising a lot of money, but then the retail investors arrived in huge numbers. And yes, they saved AMC, and that's when they saved AMC, because of the retail investors. We raised another $1,250,000,000 in May and June of 2021. And that last billion dollars is what really will, I think, guarantee that we survive through this pandemic. The apes have had a powerful impact on AMC, and they're shaking up Wall Street as well. So the system is rigged. I would say it's definitely a tilted playing field that is not in the favor of the retail public. What's the number one reason why? I think it's tilted because the people who are in the positions to make the rules and have the power, they're immensely well-funded, they're politically motivated, and for them, no one's really called them before. We're currently operating under a market system that is essentially a duopoly between two main market makers. Sometimes they get in trouble, they pay a little speeding ticket, but beyond that, it's, it's, they're making money hand over fist. What, what, why would they change? The two main market makers Matt's referring to are Virtu and Citadel, and part of the reason some of the apes feel there's an unlevel playing field is a lack of transparency in how trades are executed. When you place a trade through a commission-free broker, the brokerage doesn't actually execute your trade. The majority of those orders are sent to two market makers. In 2020, market makers paid an estimated $2.6 billion to a handful of commission-free brokers. That's called payment for order flow. So what's in it for firms like Citadel and Virtu? They make money off your trade from the spread. The spread is the difference between what someone pays for a stock and the price it's being sold for on the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ. The market maker pockets part of the spread, and another part of that spread is passed on to the retail investor as price improvement. But how much is savings for the investor versus profit for the market maker is unknown. Virtu Financial CEO Doug Sifu argues payment for order flow is good for the little guys. Obviously, there are stocks that are more of interest to retail investors, and so you're going to have more of that sent by the, the retail brokers to wholesalers. There are approximately 200 retail brokers, wealth managers in this country. About 10 of them take payment for order flow. The other 190 do not, and they still send their orders to a wholesaler. Why? They don't have an economic interest. Ironically, all of the folks that you just you know, mentioned that are complaining, they're actually getting better execution than an institutional client that's going to pay us a commission that doesn't get any price improvement. So the retail folks that are watching this, you're getting better execution with immediacy, with a full print to the tape, than as compared to any institutional investor in this country. But critics believe those order flow deals should be made out in the open so the retail investor knows exactly who's making money off their transaction and how much. The biggest disadvantage for retail traders is that there's just no information available about the actual cost of their trade. And so they're completely at the mercy of retail brokers like the Robin Hoods of the world. And they're completely at the mercy of the HFT predators and others who are literally picking their pockets. And yes, they may be picking their pockets of nickels and dimes, maybe a quarter every now and then, but that really adds up. We estimate 
that the profit that's being made off of retail traders is probably in the neighborhood of more than $20 billion a year. Former Citadel trader Dave Lauer isn't a fan of payment for order flow either. By taking those orders away from lit markets, you widen the spreads because everyone wants to trade against those orders. Those orders are profitable for market makers. So all I'm arguing is that we should have open competition for order flow. So basically what you're saying is that, that right now the system is such that you might get a better price, but that's like saying you're getting something at a 20% discount after it's already been marked up 40% or something like that. I mean, exactly. Another concern, payment for order flow gives the two market makers a front row seat to what securities are being bid and offered at before a trade happens. The apes think that gives them an unfair advantage. Citadel CEO points out trading with that info is against the law. We receive an order and as the as the party that has to execute that order, what we look at at the moment of receipt is what are the various options that we have to achieve the best execution for that order. We are not permitted to trade in front of that order any execution that we can achieve in the context of the market for fulfilling that order we must provide back to the retail investor sometimes even with a price improvement that we add on at the moment of execution. Though SEC Chair Gary Gensler says he's looking into whether the current market structure does offer market makers like Citadel an informational advantage, even if it's just for fractions of a second. When order flow, when, when trading is being purchased and sent to one wholesaler or another wholesaler, then they have information that the rest of the market may not have, at least for a short period of time. And, and even milliseconds matter in these markets. We, I think from a policy perspective, want to look at that and how we instill greater competition, in essence, for that data, as well as for that order flow. Another thing apes say is wrong with Wall Street, dark pools, legal alternative exchanges regulated by the SEC. All you re really need to know about dark pools is their name. There's no transparency. There's no regulation for all intents and purposes. And yet they're just going to throw your trade in there. The conflicts of interest in dark pools are as clear as their name is dark. High frequency traders and large institutions opt to trade in dark pools to keep their trades under wraps. But apes and critics say dark pools may be used to hide illegal activities, such as front-running or trading in advance of client orders to make a profit. And they say retail investors should have access. Dark pools, their, their two main functions essentially are to execute large block trades without moving any sort of security in a huge sort of way and have less transparency. Now you can make an argument perhaps for dark pools existence, but you can't make an argument for the retail investor not having access to those same tools. That's a problem. That's something that was systemically built that way to keep the institutions on top, you know? But Virtu Financial CEO disagrees. It's a political pinata right now. It's very easy to say dark pools and and Robinhood and Citadel and all this stuff happened. But when you dig down and you look at the facts and you look at the data, and that's what sensible regulators have done in this country for the last 30 years, every time they have looked at this practice mm -hmm. and looked at the ecosystem, they concluded it inures to the benefit of the retail investors. And there's not another system in this, in this world, frankly, that is as beneficial to retail as the United States. Do you think there's a reason why so many people are angry at the quote unquote system at this very moment in time? I think there's a lot of people who look back on 2008 
there's a, a good majority of my audience who endured that. I, I physically watched my uh, my parents at the time really go through some, some tough stuff because of something they couldn't control. The big guys that ended up getting bailed out, right? And people are mad about that. And I think the difference is instead of Occupy Wall Street, it's taken to the internet uh, because the internet's a tool that allows people to speak out about the things that they want to talk about. And in late September, Trey and the Apes took to the internet to speak out about Citadel Securities. The Army rallied, retweeted, and sent hashtag Ken Griffin lied to the number one trending topic in the United States on September 27, 2021. So why all the hate for the CEO behind Citadel Securities? Remember back to the height of the GameStop frenzy on January 28th, with GameStop rocketing, Robinhood disabled the buy button on a handful of meme stocks, but not the sell button. The move sparked online conspiracy theories that Citadel was somehow behind Robinhood's decision. Called before Congress, Griffin said this under oath. I want to be perfectly clear. We had no role in Robinhood's decision to limit trading in GameStop or any of the other meme stocks. And Robinhood's founder explained, Robinhood Securities put the restrictions in place in an effort to meet increased regulatory deposit requirements, not to help hedge funds. We don't answer to hedge funds. But then the apes found what they believe to be proof of a conspiracy. Documents cited in a lawsuit retail investors filed in Florida against Citadel, Robinhood, and others. The investors claim these documents show top Robinhood execs talking about meetings and conversations with Citadel on January 27th, a day before the buying restrictions. While the topics of those conversations are unclear, according to the lawsuit, the alleged scheme, Citadel influenced Robinhood execs to shut down the ape's ability to buy meme stocks, preventing the army from sending the prices even higher. Also, Citadel could rein in its losses on big short positions. Why do apes believe Robinhood would play along? Because Citadel's payments to Robinhood for order flow in the first half of 2020 amounted to 34% of the company's revenue. The ape's trending hashtag calling out Griffin was hard to ignore. It roused the billionaire's firm to take to Twitter in its first tweets in nine months, tweeting, it did not ask Robinhood or any other firm to restrict trading on January 27th. In a statement, Citadel tells CNBC, conspiracy theorists are trying to concoct an absurd and false story by mischaracterizing normal communications between Citadel Securities and Robinhood. Citadel Securities did not ask Robinhood or any other firm to restrict or limit its trading activity, as Ken Griffin told Congress. And Robinhood issued a statement to CNBC saying the lawsuit attempts to create a false narrative of collusion. As for its conversations with Citadel, a spokesperson says, in the context of January 28, Robinhood Securities was communicating with market makers in an effort to ensure continued market access for our customers. At no point did Citadel or any other market maker pressure Robinhood to move any securities to position close only. This story is still unfolding, but the apes are already making an impact. They are a force to be reckoned with, not only for AMC, but for all the financial markets. For the first time, retail investors have a profound influence over a publicly traded company's CEO, further amplifying their voice. 
They've created a significant risk for investors who short the stocks they invest in. I don't even know how to even really start this conversation in a meaningful way. Well, the first thing you don't do is you don't short these stocks. If you try to short AMC, you're going to end up just like the guys who shorted it in January. You're an idiot. The Wall Street Bets crew will run you over just like the tanks rolled over hapless soldiers in World War II. And they could have an even wider impact on market regulations. Gary Gensler, the chairman of the SEC, says the agency is looking into some of the issues the apes highlight on social media. Gensler has addressed payment for order flow. SEC chair Gary Gensler says that a full ban of payment for order flow is, quote, on the table. This wasn't in an interview with Barron's on Monday. Gensler also saying that the practice has, quote, inherent conflicts of interest. And he has responded to concerns retail investors have expressed on social media about market structure, with 47% of all trades being executed away from lit markets. I recently started a, you know, a engaging on Twitter and to some of those Twitter followers that are writing about dark pools. We are looking very closely at this market structure that so many of our orders, retail public orders, are not going to the lit markets, but are going to internalizers, going to wholesalers who are taking the retail public's trades rather than sending them to the stock exchanges. So when you hear SEC uh, Chair Gary Gensler say things like, we are looking into dark pools, you think that that's sort of the beginning of the end? Because that is in part sparked by the outcry of the retail investor, many of whom are self-proclaimed apes. I'm very excited to say the least. I think a physical, tangible reality of the apes, you know, stepping in and, and saying, these are problems, please look into them. And it's happening. I mean, that's that's uh, that's reward. That's, that's, that's sick, you know? So when all said and done, Trey, I mean, do you think that the, the legacy of this whole thing will be market change? That's what I like to think. I, uh, I, I truly stepped into this game because I believe in a better future for everybody. Do you think that in some ways you've already won in terms of people being more aware of these issues and it being brought to light. We've won a particular battle, but overall to say that the market is fair and has no issues, I don't think we've won that overall war. But skeptics believe Wall Street may never change. Unfortunately, this was not a revolution. Social media is revolutionary the way that it amplifies certain voices and gets these things rolling. So that's fascinating. But I'm, I'm sure that it wasn't a revolution in the sense that people uh, talk about a revolution. It's not, it's not a revolution that way. It's the same old story of people who get excited, who think they're gonna make a lot of money or think that this time is different, and then wind up having a pretty bitter experience. And some say the apes should be focused on other issues if they wanna make a bigger impact. The Reddit rebellion and the Reddit army, which is now focused on a couple of financial firms, ought to also focus its attention on Washington. We need the Reddit army to actually move to Washington at the same time. They need to put as much pressure on elected officials and regulators as they put on short sellers. If they did that, they could fundamentally change the way the markets are regulated and they could actually help level the playing field and have the system work for them instead of working for the big financial firms that have rigged the system against them. Everyone loves this story. Everyone is pulling for David, right? You're hardwired to have that kind of affiliation. And now here's our opportunity to take that slingshot and fight against this evil, this, this evil entity. The great stories exist. This is why we go to the movies.
right? To see the, 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 the underdog overcome the adversity. And that's exactly what the apes and their silverback, Adam Aaron, are fighting for. Obviously, my hope would be for a fairy tale ending. I'm an AMC shoulder, big one. Whether it happens or not, the only way we'll know is uh, to live through it and get to that day, and then we'll know. I am very pro the movement, and I'm very excited to be a part of it. I'm always going to be a diamond hand holder. I like seeing that number go up. I'm going to keep holding. <laughs> it doesn't matter how this turns out, I will always hold a little bit of AMC. That's what I do it for. So AMC, hold strong, baby. Most importantly for my family, for myself and my wife, that's why I'm an ape. Apes.